This podcast is for you if you want to learn about the wonderful and wacky world of the English language and the people who speak it. If you want to learn English, speak English, and understand different speakers of English, then you're in the right place and you're going to love our podcast episode today. Welcome to English World with Chris Americos. We are a team of language lovers, expert teachers, and native speakers who are on a mission to help people around the world speak English and show the world their true value. We correct mistakes, practice pronunciation, and explore grammar rules while drinking coffee and having fun. So get comfortable, relax, grab a pen and paper, and welcome to the show. Today's episode is brought to you by English Every Day, an unlimited speaking practice program where you can join live speaking practice lessons with professional native teachers five times every day. There are a lot of courses on the internet and a lot of useful videos too, but the one thing that is missing for most English learners is practice. And if you need speaking practice, then English Every Day is for you. So click the link in the description or go to chrisamericoast.com to learn more today. All right, today we have Feli with us, and Feli is from Germany, but she has been living in the United States for a long time, and she has an awesome YouTube channel where she shares all of these experiences, and she's taken the time today to have this chat with us. So welcome, Feli. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so why did you move to the United States in the first place? Um, it was an exchange semester during my undergrad, so I got my bachelor's in Munich in communication studies and political science. And just like a lot of students all around the world, but especially in Europe, I wanted to do an exchange semester before everything was over. So basically the very last semester that I had, I decided to go abroad. And at the time, I was like 22 years old, I almost felt like I was already living like an adult life with, I had like three jobs on the side. Wow. Um, I lived with my boyfriend. Um, I, you know, didn't really party a whole lot anymore because in Germany we kind of party at like 16, 17, 18. And then at 22, it was almost already like I would hang out with like all of our couple of friends and we would have a few glasses of wine on a Friday night and then on mid at midnight everyone went home and at the time I was like you know what I think I want to have like this crazy American college experience before I graduate <laughs> so um that's why I looked into the exchange programs that my major had specifically for our program with American universities and there were two programs uh one in Washington DC um in journalism, but I would have had to pay like half of the tuition fees or something like that for that one. Usually when you do an exchange semester, it's free in the terms of you pay uh, tuition to your home university and you're only like visiting the other university. So if you do an exchange semester in the US, you usually don't have to pay American tuition. And then the other program was like that where I didn't have to pay anything. And that was at the electronic media division at the University of Cincinnati, which is the city that I'm still at right now. And the funny thing is I had actually been to Cincinnati before because it's a sister city of Munich. So okay. the city that I'm from and where I also went to university. And that's probably also like partly a reason why this exchange program even existed. And it sounded super interesting to me because like American universities have all this money that German universities don't have. And especially in this program, they had like a new studio, studio, like they did live TV, basically. They had audio production studios, uh, big cameras, video production classes, post-production editing suites, all this stuff that I thought was amazing because I was interested in all of that kind of stuff. So yeah, I went 
here for an exchange semester and then I kind of got stuck which wasn't really the plan <laughs> like I never really, really planned on moving here for a long period of time it was just supposed to be a five month semester abroad and then I come back and then I start real life and then that never happened <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like what happened to me when I went to Russia I was uh -huh. like I'm just gonna go there for a few months and then I'm gonna come back and find a real job and start the real life and then I was like no, these these feelings, these new feelings and this excitement and this adventure is where I want to go instead of whatever that real life was supposed to be. Exactly. How long did you end up staying there? Eight years. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. For me, it's been about seven years on and off. Like I, I wasn't really able to just stay here after the exchange semester because of the visa situation and everything. So it was like half a year here, half a year in Germany, half a year here, et cetera. And then like, I think since 2018, I've been here pretty permanently. Awesome. Yeah. So it sounds like the beginning of that seven years, that's probably when I moved back to the States and, okay. <laughs> and I kind of had to get used to the states again too so i was picking out all those things that people when they first move over are looking at and like ah oh, this is different this is different yeah. um, but i i'm interested to hear what you thought about the american college experience so you said that that was something that you wanted to experience i imagine yes. that's because of movies films and was it like in the movies i 100 <laughs> thought that you know movies obviously don't portray reality. They're obviously exaggerated. Things aren't going to be like that. But then I came here and I was like, dude, these frat parties are even crazier than in the movies. Um, and yeah, honestly, I thought it was exactly like it's portrayed in in pop culture. Of course, not, not every single aspect. And it always depends on who you meet and who you interact with and where you go to college too. But yeah, a lot of these things, beer pong, the red solo cups, keg stands, um, yeah, all the all the crazy parties, the way that people dress, the sororities and fraternities. Um, Were you in a sorority? Also, no, no. I mean, I was really only here for one semester, so right. I know some people do that. Um, I'd actually returned later for my master's, which was two semesters, but that was like two years later. Um, but also, I don't really think I'm the type of person that would be in a sorority um but it was still fun to like you know see all that greek life and not even just that but also just student organizations in general and campus life and having all these sports and the stadium and all these facilities that you just don't have at a german university uh-huh so if somebody wants to find the college experience that they see in the movies they can find that it's easy to find I would say so. And I would say the University of Cincinnati isn't even the most typical school oh, yeah. for that. There's a lot of campus universities because this is a public university that's also in the middle of the city. Um, and I still thought it was like pretty crazy college life, life like. But there's a lot of smaller universities, especially also private ones, universities that are known as party schools um, yeah. and places where there's really only the campus and nothing around it. So everything takes place on campus. That's so cool. So how did you transition then from just, you know, being interested in the United States, being an exchange student to starting a YouTube channel and putting all of that experience out there for the public to see um so there is a few different factors that came to play here 
The first one was that I always worked in radio on the side. Like while I got my bachelor's, I worked for different radio stations in Munich, a little bit of TV, but I mainly just loved audio production and stuff like that. Um, and the point in time when I started my YouTube channel was like about a year after I first came to the US. So at that point, I hadn't been doing radio in like a year because I did a little bit, of course, throughout my exchange semester because I took all these classes. Um, but then after that, it wasn't really an option anymore. First of all, I wasn't really allowed to work in the US. I wasn't in the US for a few months of that anyways. Um, and it's a little different in your second language too. You can't True. really just go to a radio station and be an intern there if you don't really speak the language that well or you have an accent. But you have a great command of the English language. I'm sure people tell you that all the time. I, I think that 85, 90% of Americans wouldn't recognize that you're not American if they spoke to you. So, okay, I guess that was a year after you'd been here and you felt like yeah. at that point, your English wasn't where it had to be. For sure. Yeah, okay. I mean, especially accent wise and um, the conditions just weren't there. Like I wasn't even allowed to do an internship anyways, not a paid internship at least. So basically at the time, I just really missed producing stuff and just making some kind of content. And then also I found myself constantly talking about the same topics in terms of cultural differences, whether that was with people that I met here in the US, people that met me for the first time. I basically always got the same questions over and over again, which is super fun in the beginning, but after a while, it feels a little repetitive. And there was like a point where I also felt like, on the one hand, there's clearly an interest there. Um, people really wanted to know what I thought of the US as a German, what the biggest cultural differences were, etc. And then on the other hand, I also felt like it would be kind of practical for me to just have these most common questions answered in a place where I don't always have to repeat it and where I also can give like more thorough answers because a lot of these questions are complex and you can't really answer them in two sentences if you really want to give a good response. And so I felt like, you know what, it would be kind of fun for me to just summarize it all in one place where I include all of the different aspects that you might include in this topic, like when it comes to the biggest cultural differences, as I said, or dating differences or small talk differences and stuff like that. And so that was a motivation. And then the very last factor was that I actually had been watching YouTube channels by Americans who live in Germany. And I had okay. been watching those for, I think, a long time before I ever came to the US myself. I just thought it was fascinating to see what Americans specifically thought of Germany, like the little everyday things that they appreciated, the things that surprised them, the things that they hated, which was often stuff that as a native to that country, you never even think about. You never even think that that would be something that is cool or weird to people. And so that was like one of those things where I was like, hmm, maybe... I can do the same thing, just reverse. And yeah. because I thought like, it's so fascinating to me, for me to see that kind of stuff. So, and I already knew that people kept asking me these questions. So there clearly is an interest from Americans to see how I view their country. So yeah. there was a few other channels of Germans living in the US, but mo most of those channels were in German. So mm -hmm. basically documenting their experiences for their German friends and viewership. And so it was a very um, conscious decision of mine to make it in English, even though that was also 
it, it took a little bit for me to get used to that because my English wasn't perfect. And especially, I mean, we all know how much it sucks hearing your own voice. And <laughs> at that point, I was obviously used to my own voice because I had worked in radio for so long. But hearing it in a foreign language where you can clearly hear your own mistakes and your own pronunciation sounds different, um, that was like a big thing for me where I was like, I don't really want to do it, but I think it makes so much more sense for me to do it in, in English. So I kind of took that as like a sacrifice. I was like, I'm, I'm just going to have to do it. And also being in front of the camera was also not my preferred medium. I would have liked to just do audio. But at the time, podcasts weren't really that big, like audio only podcasts. And also for a lot of these topics, I felt like I need to show visuals to like show differences. Yeah. So yeah, all of that to answer the question of how I <laughs> started my YouTube channel was a lot of different things that kind of came together. And so I chose that video would be the best medium to do it. English would be the best language to do it in. And I started the channel or I founded the channel in fall of 2017. I recorded my first video and I hated it so much that I didn't publish it ever. <laughs> and I re-recorded it eventually. And it took me another like three or four months until I finally actually published something. And that was then early 2018 when I finally had the guts to publish something and make that step, take that wow. step. <laughs> so everybody who's listening, who's been hesitant to put out your first video, that just shows you that if you don't feel comfortable with it now, just don't give up on that idea, right? Yeah, if it doesn't you gotta work out just, the first time. You got to just kind of ignore all the, like what people are going to say. The thing with everything is life in life is, is if you don't start, you're never going to get better. You have to get started in order to get better. And unfortunately, those first few steps are probably going to be a little cringe. Like it's probably going to be <laughs> stuff that later on you're going to look back on and you're going to be like, oh, wow, that was so bad. But that's just something that you're going to have to accept, unfortunately. And <laughs> also like the internet is so big. There's so much bad content out there. Yours is probably <laughs> not going to be the worst out there. So That's a good point. You said before that, you know, you get asked these questions all the time. And in preparing for our call today, I reviewed some of the Americans living in Germany videos and the common things that they brought up. And um, you mentioned that people ask those same questions over and over again. So does that mean that in person, when you meet a, when you meet someone and they ask those questions, you're like, oh, here's the link. Here's my, here's a video on that. Do you do I've that sometimes? I've done that a few times. Yes, I've done that a few times. <laughs> or like, you know, I'll give them like a summary and then I'll be like, well, if you want to learn more about that topic, you should check out my video. <laughs> yeah. So you studied political science in Germany, you said, and then the program that you were in as an exchange student here in the States was about communications. Did I get that right? Or uh, my major was communications in Germany as well. Okay. So you had a double major. Uh, it was major minor. That's just kind of how okay. it works in Germany. Yeah. Do you see yourself as a German teacher? Because in a lot of your videos, you have to, you know, when you're comparing uh, cultural differences and things, a lot of times there's unique vocabulary that comes up or the word or the phrase is special because of the 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 language used. And sometimes it's hard to translate. So are you a teacher or are you just sharing your experiences? I would say I'm just sharing my experiences, even though a lot of my videos are educational also. But I would, if anything, see myself more as a more like a journalist, even though I'm not like an official journalist, but I also have training in journalism. And that's kind of mm -hmm. my background as well. Um, 
because I just like sit down for two weeks and I just research something super in depth and it's not always language related. So I think if anything, that would be the label that would be closest, even though, of course, like it's just me and I don't have like an editing desk or anything or a publication behind me. Um, I used to be a German teacher. I taught German uh, during my master's for mm -hmm. it was only two semesters and I was kind of just like, uh, how do you say thrown into the deep end? Um, yeah, because I had, I didn't really have any teaching experience, especially not German teaching experience beforehand. And then after that, so that was teaching college students. Um, and then after that, I actually taught little kids um, at, in a Saturday school in German. So that was like the four to seven year olds or something like that. Okay. So cool. I used to be a German teacher a little bit for a while, but I definitely don't see myself as one now. Okay. Journalist. Got it. If, um, if anything, but content creator. <laughs> content creator. Okay. I mean, yeah. How does the word YouTuber sit with you? I mean, that works too. Cool. So where would you draw the line then between education, entertainment, and business? Because these lines very often get blurred on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Like business in terms of like, I'm a business owner as a content creator? Yeah, what do you mean? I mean, different people do business in different ways through YouTube, right? So, and through video. So um, that might be just what YouTube is paying us for the advertisements running there, or it might be, you know, sending people to a product, but very oftentimes the purpose of the video is more business oriented than education or entertainment. And we can kind of, the, the line between these three kind of gets blurred a lot, right? So you might put something out that's entertaining but and educational, but a lot of people start to have a problem with if you switch between these two, like it was education and then business. Well, is it business or education? So a lot of people have a problem with that line or mm -hmm. kind of. I don't really know if I struggle with that a lot. Um, I mean, obviously I'm I'm a business owner and I spent most of my time not creating content, but doing all the stuff behind the scenes. Um I feel like my channel is just like very much who I am as a person. So like all these, some topics are more edu um, educational and more in depth and some other topics are a little bit more shallow, if you want to say it like that and, and entertaining or just literally just my personal experience, period, like nothing else. Yeah. Um, and I feel like my audience is usually okay with that and they know what they're getting based on how I introduce the video and what the video title is. Uh-huh. Cool. Um, I, I have a funny, I don't know if it's going to be funny to you, funny question to ask. What do you think of when I say the word foosball? I mean, living in the U.S. for so long, I now, if you say it in English, I would definitely think of um, the uh, table soccer, like yeah. bar <laughs> game. <laughs> um, in German, of course, the word means soccer or football. Um, foosball, but you would just pronounce it just a teeny tiny bit different. So if you had said it with a German accent, I would definitely think soccer. But if you say it with like the American accent, I definitely think bar game. Okay, cool. Yeah. So the, but it was a funny one at the beginning. Like I did not know that term before I moved here. Um, uh -huh. I That's just not something that ever comes up in English class. And so then you like come here and you're at some bar and people are like, hey, do you want to play foosball? And they just suddenly throw out this German word, kind of mispronounce it. And it's like, oh, what do you mean we're at a bar and then you realize that for some wild reason they called 
in German, we call it Kicker or Tischfußball. Um, Fußball in English. I don't know where that comes from. <laughs> right. It's funny. So um, how do you feel when an American person tells you that they are German? It's always funny. I mean, that was definitely one of those things that threw me off a lot in the beginning, especially because Cincinnati is extremely German in terms of inheritance. Like that's it's the biggest um, heritage here. Most most Cincinnati residents have German ancestry or German last names still. So at the beginning, in a lot of conversations, I would just kind of throw in that I'm German pretty quickly just because it was kind of like this disclaimer. At the very beginning, I would always say, hey, I'm an exchange student. But then later on, I couldn't really say that anymore because it wasn't one anymore. So then I would just say I'm German um, just so that people know that I'm not a local. They can't discuss certain things with me. I might not <laughs> understand them, you know, just like this general disclaimer, just letting you know. Um, and then in a lot of cases, they'd say, oh, my God, me too. And I'd be like, really? <laughs> Like, where are you from? And they'd say, oh, my great-great-grandparents were from somewhere in uh, southern Germany or somewhere like Hanover, I think. I'm not quite sure. Or they'll just tell me, oh, well, my last name is... Mm, I'm trying to think of one that they like sometimes because they pronounce mis mispronounce it so in such a funny way sometimes. But like they'll Mueller. just say... Mueller. Yeah. Something. They'll say, oh, my last name is Mueller. And in a lot of cases, as I said... They mispronounce it so that I don't even get right away that it's German. I'll be like, oh, can you spell that for me, please? So that I will I can put it together in my mind, just be like, oh, you mean Müller. Um, and then in a lot of cases, they would also ask me how it's actually pronounced in German. Mm -hmm. So those situations were very, very odd for me at the beginning. Now, of course, I've gotten used to it that Americans just tend to claim their ancestry as part of their identity. And they think, oh, I'm half German, half Irish, even though they've never been to either country, their parents aren't from either country, but they still think that that's their identity, which, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But in Germany and in Europe in general, that's not how we talk about ancestry. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a weird thing about the States. And I wonder how many other countries have a similar thing like that. Um, Probably not like a lot. Because it's a country of immigrants, right? Yeah. So my whole life growing up, it was the same thing. Like I, mo I moved to different parts of the country and people would hear like some kind of accent. Like if you live in New England and then you move to another part of the country, people are going to hear that you pronounce some of the words differently. And mm -hmm. then they'll be like, oh, where are you from? You'll say, oh, I'm from the States. And they're like, but where are you from originally? Like, where's your family from? And then you go into this thing where you're discussing these countries where you've never you may maybe you've never been there you don't speak the language you don't know anybody there but you're both saying that you're from some other place because yeah. just being american isn't good enough i guess <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah it's always uh, wild like if you were born in the us and your parents were born in the us as well like to a german and even if your ancestry is german but that doesn't make you german anymore like you like to us, it would be more accurate if you said, I have German ancestry or my ancestors originally came over from Germany or something like that. But just saying, oh, yeah, I'm German or I'm 50 percent German or something like that. I've gotten used to it, as I said, but it still has like a weird ring to me. Now, what if the person is was born to German parents? Both parents are from Germany, but they moved to the States. Right. So the child's born in, in the States to German parents, but then they move back to Germany mm -hmm. altogether. And so they come back to Germany and are people going to say, well, you weren't born in Germany. You're not German. 
I don't think so. I think if they were born to German parents, I feel like that's more like that's a case to case question. Like that depends on how they were socialized or which culture they grew up most with. Like if they don't speak the language fluently, then they'll probably be more labeled as like the American in school or the German American or something like that. But if they're fluent in the language and they don't act weird in social situations, then they would probably just be accepted as German. Like, yeah. yeah, that's that's kind of what happened with me. I was born in Germany and I moved before I was one year old. So I don't mm -hmm. remember anything about it. And my parents don't speak German. My, my dad pretends to. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but so he read me some some German fairy tales when I was a little kid, yeah. like the uh, brutal ones, the brutal ones. Yeah. <laughs> I had a night I had nightmares. I still remember it to this day of the child who was picking his nose and the parents left. And then uh, some guy with big scissors for hands comes in and cuts off the fingers. And and then the page, last page is like you see the blood shooting out of the fingers. And yep. like it was like ingrained <laughs> in my mind. <laughs> for some reason, he always read those in German. But mm -hmm. everything else in my life was in English. And so I came to the States and I go to elementary school. And what do the what do the teachers ask you? Like, there's not a lot of questions they can ask you when you're so young. You don't really know a lot. So one of the questions they always ask, where were you born? Mm -hmm. And so everyone's saying, oh, down the street, one town away. And I said, Germany. So all the kids in elementary school called me the German kid. Uh, that's and funny. We would go play soccer and they would they wouldn't call me Chris. They would call me fancy feet from Germany. That's what they would call me. And so it became this. So so when I was really young, I took on this identity that I'm German because I was mm -hmm. born there and everyone calls me the German guy. Mm -hmm. And but I didn't speak the language. I didn't know anything about the culture. I didn't know anything. Yeah. It's so weird how that happens. Right. Yeah, that's wild. I don't think that would happen like that in in Germany. I mean, of course, you never know with little kids, maybe they would like make something like that up. But in general, I would say that if because there's also I mean, the US is also a multi multicultural place. So that actually surprises me. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people were born somewhere else, but still grew up in the US. Um, and in Germany, that definitely happens a lot with like Turkish immigrants, people from the Balkan, um, lots of other countries where people have immigrated from. And if usually like if you were just raised in Germany and everything about you seems like you were socialized with German customs and you speak the language, then I would say people usually see you as German unless you like look super different. Then there's definitely going to be people who, you know, might become discriminating against you. I would say like in my generation, I mean, it's maybe not so much a generational generational thing, but in my bubble um, that I grew up with, not really. Like if you look Asian, I'll still ask you where you're from. And if you sound and tell me that you are German, then I'm in my head, you're going to be categorized as German. Okay. No matter yeah. what the color of skin or race or whatever. If the For me, yeah. For me, yeah. I feel like that's that's like a, a big topic. I talked about it in one of my videos and I want to make a dedicated video about that at some point. But the the whole topic of race is super interesting between the two countries because obviously Germany has a lot of dark history with racism and and the word race and people being classified. Um, however, nowadays the German word for race, Rasse, is not used for humans anymore. 
and mm. we don't it's it's partly because it was used in Nazi Germany also i would argue partly um has like a linguistic reason because the same word rasse is also used for breed for animals uh -huh. and so it's already has kind of like a degrading ring to it and nowadays that's not something you would ever ever use for humans and in general we don't think of humans having different races i still think it's a little weird to me being asked about my race on american forms that would be right. super super illegal in germany 100 illegal um, I know that's a super tricky topic in the U.S. because in a lot of cases, these questions are asked for reasons of fighting racism and fighting discrimination. Um, however, it's to this day still weird to me that that is being asked and that even little kids are automatically be put in these different categories. And humans are so different and you can be a mix of so many different things that it just seems a little arbitrary to put yourself into one of five or six or however many categories. Right. Um, and I think it can also cause a lot of problems and put that idea into people's heads. Um, in Germany, I would say that, of course, racism slash discrimination um, definitely exists. I would say racism in this case would be not so much just based on color of skin because we have a lot of immigrants in Germany that don't necessarily look all that different like they might be from the middle east so they might have like a slightly different tone of skin but you we don't really speak of white people compared to colored people of course that is a discussion that we also have in germany sometimes and especially when we talk about racism globally and stuff like that those terms are being used but when it's just about discrimination within germany i feel like the more important category is citizens citizenship slash yeah what i said like the the culture that you're from like the country that you're from sometimes for some people they base their discrimination also just on religion uh stuff like that or whether or not you wear um a head covering or something like that but i would say overall it's not so much just about the color of skin or putting people into like certain categories and for me it was really weird coming here and noticing how it's all like you're a white person and that makes you like a certain it puts you into a certain category of stereotypes but also how a lot of my friends automatically like classified the people around them and sometimes people yeah. would be like oh yeah um did you meet so-and-so? And I'd be like, oh, no, who's that again? And they'd be like, oh, you know, it's like the half black person. And I wouldn't even know if someone is half black or half Latino or all I would like recognize is maybe that their hair is a little bit different, like a little bit curly and maybe their skin is a little tan. But in Germany, that could mean so many things to me. That could mean maybe they're partly black. Maybe they're partly from Asia. Maybe they're from Southern Europe where people also are very tan. Maybe they're Middle Eastern. Like, that could mean so many different things that, that like I don't really I never really had that analysis going on in my head where I look at people and I kind of categorize them into, you know, human races or whatever. Yeah, you get kind of categorized as a white person in mm -hmm. this conversation of white and black. And mm -hmm. so a, probably a lot of American people kind of transfer their stereotypes of white people, black people onto you even though you and and like your family and historically like you didn't take part in this thing 
but you still have to deal with that being in America because people kind of put that on you, right? Yeah, I don't know if I experienced that a whole lot. I would like, I'm, I'm sure, like, if they see me, some people might think, oh, like, what a typical white girl or something like that. Um, which I mean, I wouldn't really consider like an insult. But of course, to me, I see myself so much more as a German or even a European, if you want to um, talk in bigger categories rather than a white American. Like, that's more like what what makes me different is not my color of skin. It, because I was I grew up in a different culture with a different language in a different country with different laws and different standards and that's what makes me different to other people here yeah. and black and white Americans in a lot of cases will have a lot more in common the two of them compared to me right um, right so yeah I mean that's just to me that's something that I didn't really grow up with in Germany with like those color of skin categories also of course it has a lot of historical backgrounds we don't have that right. many black people in germany just historically what we do have is more immigrants from other countries that are closer to us where you can't always see the differences at first sight and then it'll be more about which language do they speak did they integrate themselves do they have a different religion can you see the religion do they have a different name there's definitely discrimination in germany 100 percent but it'll most of the times be based on other factors. You know, something that's really interesting that you brought up a little earlier was this idea of socialization. Has mm -hmm. the person socialized in German culture or in German society or have they grown up with these things? And can you tell that? And, you know, I've had a similar discussion with most of the other guests on this podcast, and you're really the first person who brought up this idea that socialization could be a determining factor of identity. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, most people point to, I mean, most people who aren't thinking about it too deep, they point to birthplace, language, those things. And then if you get a little deeper, maybe you go to parents mm -hmm. and uh, where the person grew up. But I think you hit it right on the head saying socialization. So what makes you or any person German? That's a question of like a philosophical question where you can discuss. I mean, I'm sure everyone will have a different answer to this. I feel like for me and a lot of people who think similar to me, I would usually say you're German in the sense of like the way that I'm German. If you grew up in Germany or spent most of your time in Germany, even if you maybe lived in a different country until you were seven and then you moved over to Germany and most of your memories and the experiences that you've made were in Germany, I would probably consider you German or half German, half whatever you you are. It also depends on how the person sees themselves, right. I would say. If it comes down to like hardcore like facts on paper, I mean, the most clear thing to me would probably be if you have German citizenship. But I would also consider people who don't have citizenship yet or maybe don't don't want to have it, but they they still see themselves as very German or act very German, then I would still see them as German. But or that's probably more the thing. Yeah. I wouldn't say yeah. it's so much about ancestry. Like even if your parents aren't from Germany and you have German citizenship and are German, then then you're German to me. You know, like that's that's what makes it. It's not so much about your roots to me. Mm -hmm. But if the person has citizenship, has lived in Germany for a while, but still struggles with the language, are you going to say that they... Are German? If they're if they're German citizens, then 
yeah, then they've automatically lived there for a good amount of time and they've qualified in certain ways. Yeah. And they're still German. Okay. So I guess, um, I guess we have to draw a line here between two different things, right? Like citizenship, nationality versus uh, like the nation or the people, right? Like German people. So like, yeah, but I don't think that's a thing. That's just not a thing. Like the borders have changed so much throughout history. There's never been like the German people. It's never been a thing. Like Germany's territory has changed so much. There's been so much immigration from all over the place. Um, Like literally half of the royal family in the UK has German ancestry. That doesn't make them not British. Like I don't think there is a difference between the two things, unless if the person themselves sees it like that, like maybe someone can be just a German citizen, but they think they're German and Turkish, even though they don't have Turkish citizenship, then yeah, 100%, you're both. But I don't think there is like ethnic Germans in that sense, because where does that start? Germany hasn't even been a unified country for that long. Like 1871 is when we became unified. Mm Mm-hmm. So, so you don't believe in the concept of ethnic Germans? No, okay. I think that no. Would you agree that there are people who do believe in that? Yeah, one hundred percent. It's mostly people who use it as a reason to discriminate. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, I, I could say that I'm ethnically German because all of my grandparents, for however many generation, were Germans. They didn't all live in what is today Germans territory. Germany's territory. Does that mean? Like, for example, one side of my grandparents um, is from Silesia, which is today in Poland. Mm -hmm. Does that make me half Polish or a quarter Polish? I don't think so, because they were Germans. They were cultural Germans. They didn't have anything to do with Polish culture. And it was Germany at the time. So, so, uh, like, this is just, you know, we're just talking about it, whatever. But um, they were cultural Germans living in what is today Poland. So, but at the time was Germany. Uh-huh, but at the time, was borders Germany. have changed so much over in course over the course of history. So, so how can we say that um, someone is a cultural German but not an ethnic German? What, what's that difference? I mean, you're asking the wrong person because I don't think there is such a thing as an ethnic German. Okay, but yeah. so cultural German. So what what does that mean? Like you said, they were they are cultural Germans. They lived in what was Poland, but yeah, or what was then obviously Germany. the territory is a little bit more east of what Germany is today. Mm-hmm. But at the time it was Germany. Germany went very far east for a long time. Right, right. But that still makes me German because they were German. But, they were that's Polish. What, that's what I'm getting like at. That. That's what I'm getting at, though. They were German. So it doesn't mm-hmm. matter what country or what where the lines were drawn. Like, like you said, lines change all the time. But the people m- retain some kind of quality. Like you said, they were cultural Germans. Uh, they were German. So like, what is that quality? That's that's just what I'm trying to get at. Like, what is that quality of what makes that person German? I mean, I don't know. They were German citizens at the time. They spoke German. They yeah. had German uh, dishes that they cooked. They grew up with German culture. Um, of course, cultures also have mixed so much throughout history. So I think even that is always a blurry line. I think you can't really categorize people like that. But basically, if you were to say, oh, that makes you a quarter ethnic Polish, I would say that's bullshit because I, that there's no Polish influence in my family, for example. I got it. I, I'm just, uh, you know, lots of people have different viewpoints. And, and I've met quite a few people who have the viewpoint that whatever country they're from, that they are ethnic 
Yeah, for sure. I think, yeah, I think that's, a. I I, I always ask, like, when you take a DNA test as an American and you say, oh, you're 50% German, I'm like, what does that mean? Does that, to what point in time does that point back? Because as I said, Germany wasn't even a country until 1871. Since then, the borders have shifted so much. So at what point in time are we talking about, does that locate you in Germany? Now, Germany today, Germany 500 years ago, what, like, was German tribes at the time. Like, I think that's such an arbitrary thing. Like, I feel like it makes sense to maybe pinpoint it to like this geolocation, but what that makes you ethnically, I find very difficult. Yeah. Just so you know, Feli, I'm like 100% on your side. It's just that we're fighting a really hard battle on this topic because so many people believe in this idea of, of ethnic, whatever. And, um, like kind of connecting the dots here like race ethnicity um i don't believe in the concept of race at all it's not scientifically proven it's not yeah it it has no basis in reality and calling people different colors is just like such a stupid thing in my mind so it's like black white like yellow purple what we open a crayon box and just call people colors it's ridiculous and uh and everything exists on a spectrum instead of 100%. being an extreme. And so when we come to this question of, you know, ethnic, whatever, to me, like the nation state, which is like designed around, like today we have nations and that word isn't like some people refer to it as, you know, citizenship and this kind of nation. But mo- most people like that was kind of founded on the idea that there's this group of people who are this thing you have something in common yeah right? i actually um i actually wrote a paper on the difference between nationality and citizenship through uh during my masters but yeah to me um especially when people talk about ethnic germans it just automatically gives me a connotation of nazi germany racism so i don't know what the right term would be in english but like the notion of a superior race or a superior ethnicity, which is just not a thing. So when someone asks me about that, or when someone asks me if I'm if I'm ethnically German or says that or claims that I'm not ethnically German, because some people think that I look Eastern European, some people think that I'm Turkish, whatever, um, then I, it always gives me like a red flag. I always feel like, why does it matter to you? It yeah. shouldn't. Like I am German for like as long as our family tree goes back, but it should. It literally shouldn't matter to you, right? I, I get the same. Uh, people saying, "Oh, you're not an American." <laughs> okay. What do people think you are? Well, they well they'll be like, "Well, where were you born?" Germany. Oh, you're German. Mm-hmm. Boom. That still happens to me on YouTube on a daily basis, probably. And then I lived in Russia for so long, so then they're like, "Oh, you're Russian." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, <laughs> like not really. <laughs> yeah. So how do you even, so, so, you know, those debates and those comments and stuff, it's just, I usually just end up ignoring them, but, um, but yeah, I like to put out that idea to people to get them thinking about that. They're more than just the country that they claim and that yeah. they're really citizens of a global country that, that uh, the way I put it is I'm, a citizen of the world and I'm a patriot Mm. and I can be proud of where I'm from, but I'm not from a tiny place. I'm from this big planet and Mm -hmm. we're all the same and we're all in the same boat. We're on the same planet. And, and 
it's just crazy to to think that because for so many years we had these traditions and everybody said these words and everybody spoke this language but people did the same thing just in a little different way over there that oh this is such a big difference it's mm -hmm. it's great that we have so many cultural differences i think like i think that's oh, for sure. amazing i love learning about that but uh at the same at, at the core i feel like we're all the same yeah for sure i also think that if anything if someone like wants to tell you oh you're german or you're russian i feel like in those cases it's the person themselves who gets to decide what their identity is and how they feel if they feel more russian because you lived in russia for so long than american then that's your right to say well i'm american on paper but i you know i feel like i'm half russian um i feel like that's something that is always up to the person and it doesn't nobody else has a right to yeah the, decide that know, for you discussing identity has like there's no perfect answer so it's always no, like it's always it a spectrum as you said yeah yeah and so like like but what you just said it's also one of the points that people often debate here is like can you really define your identity completely internally completely by yourself subjectively or I mean, you can say how you feel like that's that's legitimate at all times you can always say on paper on this or factually my family is from here and here or whatever other parts of identity we're talking about here but i do feel like this you know like i do feel very how like maybe there's people i mean there's a lot of people in germany for example that um have turkish um ancestry and a lot of them were not born in turkey and they grew up in germany but they might still feel more turkish at heart because they might have still grown up with turkish culture around them in germany and they might speak more turkish than than they speak german and just feel more connected to that culture and then I feel like if, you know, the, if they're only a, a German citizen on paper, that's one thing. But if they're being asked how they feel, there is there is nobody else that can tell them that they're wrong about that. So would you say that there's no requirement for any external validation of an identity? Like, I can just say I'm Japanese, I feel Japanese, and now I'm Japanese. Or does external, do, do other people have to confirm this in some way? Because you, no, sure. as I said, there's it's two different things on paper. Um, there's there's different categories. I mean, if we talk about nationality, then of course you can talk about citizenship. You can talk about ancestry. You can talk about uh, where you were socialized. You can talk about how you feel. There's those are all different things. So I think all those different factors should and could be included in the conversation i also personally think that it's nobody else's business how, what your identity what you feel what your identity is if you want to share that you can but it's nobody else's business to tell you like for example if you feel japanese that doesn't that's not in conflict with saying well on, on paper i'm not i don't have ancestry in japan but i still feel japanese at heart those two things aren't exclusive mutually exclusive for example I can buy citizenship in some Pacific Island country, right? Mm -hmm. uh, for Fiji, for example, easy. So you you buy some land or or whatever. You you're you're a Fiji citizen, and but if I said that I'm Fijian, then people who are native to that place they wouldn't agree with me. And does that mean that just because I feel that way and I bought papers that like? 
so to me, so, so right. Maybe it's none of their business or whatever, but like, if, if I'm just thinking to myself, I can tell myself that and okay, no problem. But like, it's not a true identity if it's not confirmed by some kind of external reality. I think that it's just a case to get like, in this case, your situation would be, I'm a Fiji citizen for whatever you're like, I bought it or whatever. I wasn't raised there. I don't have ancestry there. That's that's your th that's your answer. That it's not just like black and white. Like everyone has a different case. So that mm -hmm. would be your. It would be a more complex answer. I guess if if I ask people there if I am Fijian, then they'd they probably would... say, "Well, on paper you are. Apparently, on paper you're a citizen. Maybe you have to pay taxes. I don't know what the laws are, but you're not culturally Fijian culturally. to us. That's probably. I don't know. I don't. I'm not them. That's they would have to answer that." Yeah, yeah, yeah. You would just have to explain it then, right? Um, but we came yeah. back to this, this idea of culturally, culturally Fijian, culturally German, culturally, right? We came back to this. I mean, that's how I would probably look at it, but I don't know if maybe people from other places would look at it differently. Maybe they would say, well, now that you pay taxes here, we accept you as one of our, I don't know, <laughs> maybe, I don't know. I just think that... Um, nobody's ever just asked oh what are you and there's only one right answer everyone has so many like so many different factors that play a role here and as long as you stay factual there's nothing wrong like you're always going to be right if you stay factual if you say hey i have fijian citizenship but i wasn't born there or raised there that's a true answer there's nobody else that can yeah. claim that that's wrong yeah 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 I absolutely agree with that. I think maybe Japan is a is a good example where there are some cultures that are very like inclusive. Like you were saying, like the the culturally whatever, culturally Japanese, that like there are some standards. You referred to like, for example, recipes and and dishes and things like that, traditions, right? So social behaviors probably. Right, right. So so some people could actually be offended by an outsider claiming to be part of the group who who they believe is not right mm -hmm. um, there was an example like this in the states where there was a woman who however you want to put it ethnically from her heritage whatever you however you want to put it she was white and like she got a top position in this african-american organization helping african-american people and she said that she felt that she was african-american Mm -hmm. And so there was a big debate. There's even something on Netflix about it. So like it came down to this question of she feels that like this, but this group of people say that she's not one of them. And in the end, the media just tore her apart because they put her out there as like, this is basically a fraud because she's mm -hmm. pretending to be something that she's not. And so external reality kicked in and, and the group didn't accept her personal belief of her identity and it had bad consequences for her and so you know that's kind of why i'm swimming around in this topic just like we said before identity like there's never a perfect answer you could discuss it forever it's really interesting to me to think about how far can subjective identity go with before it runs into this objective reality created by the group you know? i mean it always depends i mean there's also a lot of black people that are white passing that can still claim black culture and ancestry to them and maybe other people don't see it right away i don't know the yeah. specific case of course if you're just trying to use another culture especially if it's a minority like that that has a sp specific 
history in the country and you kind of claim that for your own even though you don't have any of those struggles that those people have that I could totally see how that could be problematic to the group um I don't think anyone else can judge that besides the people who are part of the group and the person involved and like they need to kind of figure it out with each other I think yeah and a lot of times they use the phrase appropriating culture yeah it's one one group or or an individual might take something that's good or useful from one culture one other group and use it to their advantage and uh so yeah it's like so tricky to figure out where this line is and mm -hmm. and the balance of who you tell yourself that you are and who the world tells you that you are right yeah I mean I guess so I think it, it shouldn't be that tricky I think it's just I, it always comes with nuances and yourself and everyone else should include those nuances into it and then it's not that complicated anymore or controversial anymore when I looked on the map Munich is like really far away from Berlin it's in the south it's kind of away from other stuff kind of like Cincinnati so how would you compare these two cities I know Munich's bigger you um, think Cincinnati is pretty far away from other stuff or what do you <laughs> yeah. mean yeah 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 not so much it's kind of like right in the center I mean it's more on the east part of the U.S. but it's it's not that far from like civilization or anything like that yeah I, I mean I grew up in Cincinnati all my family's from Cincinnati but um but like New York it's far it's not close to New York or I guess Chicago is the closest Chicago's like a five-hour drive I mean yeah it depends on what you consider like I mean Lexington Louisville Columbus I mean yeah I guess Columbus Ohio isn't that big of a city either um yeah. Nashville is a few hours south and how far yeah, Chicago is, is like Berlin from Munich um I mean it depends we usually say that in kilometers in German um we don't really speak in driving hours because most people will maybe travel by train so like depends but by car probably around like seven to eight hours mm -hmm. could be six if you drive at night I don't know like honestly but I would say usually like eight hours yeah okay so so comparing Munich and Cincinnati mm -hmm. what like what are the main differences that you see I imagine that Munich has better public transportation yeah for sure I mean I would say Cincinnati is a pretty stereotypical like Midwest city like medium-sized American city everything's pretty drivable um it's still big enough to be like a big city like it has all the institutions that you would need as a big city like sports clubs and universities um and you know cultural institutions lots of restaurants and bars lots of cultural stuff going on so it definitely has everything that a big city has but it's a lot smaller American cities are always difficult to like say what their population is because it always depends on what you count you call count all the suburbs that go like 10 20 however 40 miles outside of the city um if you just count the Cincinnati um city area it's like 300,000 people yeah. Munich is like one one and a half million yeah. and it's a lot more densely populated just like all European cities are I would say um and all German cities are very densely populated obviously they developed um differently over the course of history you know the houses were just all built closer together the streets are smaller 
um, the way that the cities developed was just different than most modern American cities where like you have the artificially built suburbs and all of that, which we don't really have in Germany. Um, so, I mean, I would say the two cities, it's just, it all comes down to the the countries themselves. I would say Cincinnati is pretty stereotypical American. There you have a downtown with skyscrapers. Um, you have all of your drive-through stuff everywhere. As I said, everything is pretty drivable here, um, unlike New York or um, some other big cities in the U.S., and even downtown, you can always find parking. You might have to pay for it, but there is like, I think the other day I saw something that for every American citizen in the country, there's eight parking spots or something <laughs> like that. It's insane how much parking there is in the U.S. Um, and yeah, so you definitely don't have that European city center where there's a pedestrian zone or anything like that, where like the main shopping area is downtown Um that's more going to be at malls and like more in the suburbs and stuff like that. People come downtown for other reasons. There is, you know, a lot of business stuff going on downtown. But um, most people live outside of the city center, whereas in Germany, it's more like everyone started in the city center. And then only if you if you had to move out of the city center, you would. But it's not usually preferred. Um, Munich is definitely a big city, but it, a lot of people also call it a big village because uh -huh. it doesn't feel as busy as Berlin, for example, or New York City. New York is crazy busy and stressful and loud. Um, Munich can feel pretty relaxed still, unless you're stuck in traffic, then it's a different <laughs> story. Driving in Munich is awful, um, especially if you live more downtown. Most people prefer not even having a car because it'll just cost you so much for parking. You're never going to get anywhere fast. You're probably going to be faster using public, public transportation. So as you said, public transportation, just like in all of Germany, is pretty, pretty strong. In, in Munich, we have a suburban train, subway, buses, streetcars, all of the above. Um, and a lot of people take their bikes through Munich as well, which I used to do as well. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing all of your <laughs> experiences from, from coming to the States. I, I mean, I think that everyone who listens to this and watches this is going to learn a lot. It was, it was eye-opening for me. And uh, Feli, thank you so much. Tell everybody where they can find you. You can find me on YouTube. My YouTube channel is called Feli from Germany. I'm also on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok with, with that same name. I don't always post as much on there as I do on YouTube, but I try to. Um, and then I also have a podcast. Uh, we're about to wrap it up, actually. So there's only a few more episodes coming out, but we have about three years of material for you to listen to. It's um, me and my friend Josh, who is an American from Cincinnati, who lives in Munich, so my hometown. And he is fluent in German, speaks like a native speaker which is super impressive and um that podcast is called understanding train station goes back to a german idiom where it's like oh i only understand train station means like i don't understand anything i'm lost uh like it's all greek to me and so that's what we named it after and um that you can find on youtube and on all the podcast streaming platforms awesome and we'll put all the links under the episode under the video so you can find feli thank you so much Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to English World with Chris Americos. Now it's your turn. Don't just listen to English, speak English with us every day. Join our English Everyday Speaking Program today. See you in the next episode. Bye-bye.